Now, as, as we jump in, as we jump in this morning, um, man, I'm, I'm really excited about the new series that we're kicking off. It's, it's going to be in Second Peter chapter one, and we're going to focus over the next, I don't know, four or so weeks on the first 12 verses of Second Peter one. And I'm telling you, it is power packed. So we're going to be going deep. Like, bring your Bible with you. Bring your Bible, because, man, we're just going to be going deep. You want to write some notes, and you're like, well, I think it's disrespectful to write in the Bible. This is what this is meant for. Like, this is a gift, man. Write in the margin. There are going to be certain things that we'll be doing. And then you'll want to, on your way in, if you haven't already done it, grab a message guide. We have message guides that are right outside, because not only can you follow along on there or on your app, but there are also some specific next steps that we're going to have each week that hopefully will help us us uh, grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Now, I don't know if you notice, but bad news makes money. You ever notice that? I mean, how many, how many of your favorite news outlets, they are just focused on good news? For, for the most part, it's just, it's not the case because bad news makes people mad. And when people get mad and there's an enemy out there, they give money to support the other guy. Or, or when it comes to bad news, it gets the ratings. Everybody wants to tune in. I mean, how many like me have been watching what's going on with, the, with uh, Northern Idaho, the, the guy that murdered the four college students? Like, I've been following that story. I was back at, a, at a, uh, a board meeting in Cincinnati this week, and that's what a lot of them were, they're following it too. You know, then we've got, man, yesterday, you know, I have the alerts set up for Channel 7 or whoever comes up my phone and, man, saw what happened at Givens Hot Springs. That was crazy. And, and, but it just seems like when I get those alerts that show up, like there's never, you know, we have Amber Alerts. There's never alerts for good news. Think about it. Here's what I want us to think about for the next little bit. Church, we are called to be about good news. Man, in fact, we have been given some incredible good news. Even though all the news around us might seem to be bad, I mean, just look at the price of eggs for crying out loud. I'm buying some chickens. And, you know, but, but man, we have been given good news. Man, we, in fact, the gospel, literally, that's what it means, good news. You can be known as the bearer of bad news, or you can be an ambassador of good news. And church, I'm all about the good news we've been given through Jesus Christ. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be diving and seeing, uh, seeing what this is all about. Now, let me set things up this way. I have a buddy of mine that uh, is a huge baseball card collector. Anybody, into ba anybody ever collected baseball cards, okay? If, if some of you just got them so you could put in your spokes of your tires or whatever. And, and like you lie to yourself. You're like, I probably had a Mickey Mantle rookie. And I, if I'd have had like you didn't. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I've always, uh, I say always, when I was a kid, man, all through my uh, my. Uh, Man, probably since the age of six, seven or so, all the way up to the time I went to college, I was a huge baseball card collector. I have still to this day boxes and boxes and boxes of baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards, whatever. And, and so I've got another friend that, that is, he, he's actually into it more than I am. Like I, like I was into it, like he's still into it, but I, I still love talking to him about it. And, and, and if you know anything about baseball cards, there's something we call the Beckett. And the Beckett, everybody just calls it the Beckett. It is, it's, all, it's nickname is the Bible of baseball cards. Because when you go to the Beckett, you can find out what every card is worth, what it's going for, what you can expect if you sell your cards. 
Well, I've got, a, I've, I've got a, another uh, friend of mine that, that has been a collector for several years, and, and man, he literally has had him sitting around and just didn't know what to do with it. And so he approached my other friend and said, hey, so I heard you're into baseball cards. W- would you mind taking, t- taking these boxes home and just, I- I'm curious what I have. He's like, sure. So he takes it home and, and like the, ne- the uh, I, I was talking to him the, the next day. He's like, bro, you will never believe, man. He said, this is unbelievable what I've seen. There are some incredible cards here some incredible rookie cards. And he started telling me all of these like hall of famers who this guy has their rookie cards. And, and by the time it was all said and done, we were talking and, and he said, my estimate based on what I've gone through, what I know, what things are selling for. Uh, he, he said, he, he has somewhere between the ballpark of 40 to $50,000 worth of baseball cards. Some of you are like, I am going home right now. Like, like getting up, like I'm going. Here's, here's the thing. What is, what is many times just a common after, we just don't think much about it, can be something that is worth just, just, it just has great value. You know, some good friends of mine that attend our church own uh, Village Antiques downtown Nampa. And I, I like going through there and looking around. And it's true, one man's junk is another man's treasure. And, 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 and it's, it's kind of like that old TV show on PBS. What was it? Uh, the uh, Antique Roadshow. Yeah, where you, I love that. Where you, they would take, hey, I got this, found this in my attic. It's been there for, we bought the house and this is in the attic and this was like $100,000. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, by the way, I have nothing like that in my attic. I just, <laughs> I've tried. Um, <laughs> but, but it's always like this big shock. Like, are you kidding me? They can't believe that what had just been sitting around the house has so much value. Here's a question that I wanna ask over the next four weeks of every believer that'll be here in our services. And, and I say that specifically, this is, a, this is gonna be a series for believers. If you're here and you're an unbeliever, first of all, you have to know I love the fact that you are here. And, and honestly, I, I think you're going to, to learn a lot from this as well. And, and just know, man, there's a whole bunch of us that are praying for you, but I'm glad that you're here. But primarily, I'm gonna be speaking to believers for the next several weeks. And the question that I, that I wanna ask of us is this. If you're saved, do you know the value of what you have? Hey, do you know what you really have? I, and listen, man, I, I want over the next few weeks to just break this down because we have been giving some, given something incredible. And the, and, and the apostle Peter, a guy that walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus, was the first guy that, that preached the, the message that really launched the church that we see in Acts chapter two. Peter is writing his second letter to a group of people. And he says this, beginning with verse one, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, here's who he's writing to, to those who've obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to, multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and uh, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. His divine power, he didn't mess around. His divine power, whose divine power? Christ's divine power has granted to us 
all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Father, over the next few minutes, help me not to screw this up. God, I am praying that we would, would have, it, it would be like we're walking to, the, uh, to, to some version, a spiritual version of the antique roadshow, that we would examine the incredible gift that you've been given to us and that we would begin, maybe for, for some of us, it'll, it's just an initial beginning uh, of, of, of an understanding of what we've been given. So Lord, for what you're gonna do in our time together today, we thank you and I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. I've got a very simple big point. You can, you can write this down, very simple, but, but it's very profound when we're talking about value. You and I, we have everything that we need to grow spiritually. We have everything. We've been given everything that we need to grow spiritually. We've been given a great salvation. We've been given the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so, so when you're like, what's that mean? So, so if we are saved, we're saved by grace through faith. But at salvation, we are given the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And by the indwelling Spirit, the Holy Spirit, through the miracle of salvation, believers have everything we need to become like Christ. Now, there are three takeaways that I want to look at for the next few minutes together. And the first takeaway is this. Christ does not hold out on his bride. It's interesting because there's all kinds of different analogies used in scripture of our relationship to God. You know, we're called the children of God, sons and daughters of God, if you're believers. Um, but we're also called the bride of Christ. It's a very intimate uh, understanding of this relationship that we have with Christ. And here's the good news. Christ does not hold out on his bride. He's not like, I've been sometimes, and I use this phrase, when we've been, my wife and I have been having an intense moment of fellowship. And we're going back and forth and, and, and maybe I get offended about something. You know what my default human nature wants to do if I'm offended about something is I'll show you. And it turns either into a competition at times or, or, or you, 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 know, you withdraw. Maybe your feelings get hurt. Our, our natural relationship, whether it be in a marriage or in a friendship or, or anything else, is if, if we encounter some sort of difficulty or, or there, there's, there's a disagreement, we, we respond usually not by more grace and love, but by almost pulling back a little bit. And there's, a, there's may, maybe a, a lack of intimacy until you guys are able to, to, to work through this. But what I love is that Christ does not hold out on his bride. And so when, when we read that we have everything, we've been given everything that, that we need, it almost sounds too good to be true because we, we, we think that Christ is gonna be like us. Because what we know is if we're following Jesus Christ, is we're, we're not perfect. There's failure. Then, then even beyond that, we have a past Every, every person who's following Jesus Christ has a past that you're not, that, that, that you're not proud of. 
There's, there's shame. And, and so we're, we're, we, we somehow get in this idea that there are different classes of Christians. There are these up here and then some here. And then, then I guess I'm just going to have to hang down here. I'm going to be the bottom feeder, the, the halibut of, of, of Christians. You know what I'm saying? Just hanging out there at the bottom. That's not the way this works. And you're like, well, man, if you only knew what I've done, if you only knew how I failed, and you just make all, all of this list, I'm going to tell you right now. And by the way, somebody told me that this morning I was so excited that I was talking like an auctioneer in the first message. So if I do that, hang with me. That's why we're recording this message. But if our, if our expectation of God's grace has, is tied in any way to our performance, first of all, it nullifies his grace. But secondly, it actually puts us in a place where we're going to live in perpetual disappointment because we're never going to measure up. Listen, on, 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 on our best days, Man, I, I know you and you know me. We, we don't merit this, but, 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 but Christ gives. Not, he gives us everything, not based on, on what we've done up to this point, but based on who he is and who he can make us to be. So like, okay, we just come through Christmas and, uh, you know, we, we had a time of, you know, we did the whole celebration, I gave Christmas presents and all that, and our, our kids came in. So good to have uh, all the family home. But, but, but here's the thing, I have great kids, I'm proud of them, but I don't have perfect kids. In fact, I know it's gonna just mess with you. Like over our, our time together, we, I think we got into some family arguments. There are things we don't see to eye, to eye to eye on. There's some things that we go back and forth on. But you know why? It never has once this year entered my mind that, you know what, I need to hold out on my kids because we don't see eye to eye on everything. And so I'm actually not gonna give them Christmas presents this year. Now, we get that because you're the same way, hopefully. If you're not, repent. <laughs> Be reconciled. You know, I must say something. <laughs> um, I got I to I say, I, I need to say something. I want to say something to Christian parents that are here today that have kids that aren't believers um, you might have, because you came under some bad teaching or maybe just poor understanding of who God is, think that you need to make a point, but if your kids aren't following Jesus Christ, not doing everything you want them to do, that you need to cut them off and have nothing to do with them, you need to repent of that. Well, my kid's gay. I don't care. Well, my, you don't know what my kid's done. I don't care. So far, so far as, here's what, here's what Paul says. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You can't control what they're doing. But I'm going to tell you this. I, I just I told one of my kids this. We were having a discussion about something. And I said, I just want you to know something. You may disappoint me. And there may be things that I, that, that, that there's a failure, whatever. But I'm going to tell you what. There's nothing that you can ever do to make me not love you. And guys, if we who are jacked up human parents can have that approach, why, why do you think God would have this, hey, let's cut, let's cut these kids off? No. Now, Christ does not hold out on his bride. God does not hold out on his kids. And, and man, if we're going to be examples of Christ, honestly, we, we need to show that even in our own family. That was free, man. That's a, that's a, I didn't even talk about giving. That's good, right? You need to give extra for that. That's good. You know, one of my, uh, if, you, if you ever read the First Corinthians, Apostle Paul, 
he's, uh, he's writing to this church. And, and, and listen, he makes it clear that he's writing to brothers and sisters in Christ. But they are jacked up. Like, if you read through 1 Corinthians, like, the, the things they're dealing with, now, now here's the thing, they have to be dealt with. There's correction. Like, I'm, when, when I talk about lo- loving your kids, it doesn't mean you have to approve of sin, accommodate sin, but you're going to love in spite of the sin. But here's, here's, what, here's what he tells to these, these people. He's, he's addressing some pretty tough things. He said, let no one boast in men. He's saying, don't, don't you know, whoever your hero is, Paul, Apollos, Cephas, you know, talking about Peter, whoever. He says, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is in God. His, his whole point is this, is what Peter's saying. Christ does not hold out on his bride. We have been given all things. Now, I got to say something that, that I, I, want you to, I want you to hear me when I say this. There's a difference between struggling with temp- temptation and failing from, from time to time and living in willful sin. Okay? So, so like in, in scripture, there, there are sins of ignorance, there are sins of, 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 of omission, there are sins of, uh, uh, there are rash sins, and, and there's always sacrifice for sins. But, but, the, but the one thing, the, the, there's, there's what they call presumptuous sins, high-handed sins. The, these are sins that, that you just want to live in rebellion against God. Okay, big, big difference. In fact, I, let me just say something. I'm, I'm already going to get emails. I might as well just get emails on this too. There's a difference, and I've said it before, but you got to hear me. There's a difference between a profession of salvation and possession of salvation. A lot of us have, have bought into that it's almost, it's almost a little, uh, like a little magic type thing. If I say these words, I give this incantation, I pray the prayer a certain way that I'm a Christian. Now, a pr- listen, a prayer is a tool in which we just declare our need of God, but it's faith. We are saved by the grace of God, we're, we're saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ's work. And so, so I, I want to I be faithful to you as a pastor, okay? And so I've just got to say something. If you are living in willful, rebellious sin, you don't belong to God. Well, I prayed a prayer. Listen, man, I'm a, parents, if you stop praying for your kids... And they're living in willful, rebellious sin, but you stop praying for them because they prayed a care, prayer and when they were, they were in youth camp. Don't stop praying for your kids. Again, difference between profession and possession. There's a reason why we're, we're advised by Scripture. Not in an unhealthy, obsessive way, but we're called to examine ourselves to see if we're of the faith. For, I'm, I'm going to start to preach it. For, First John chapter 3, here's what John says. John says, if you continue in willful sin... You do not know the Father, nor have you ever known the Father. And guys, one of the worst things that I could do is to provide this environment where we, 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 just, we just say, oh, yeah, hey, man, you, you prayed a prayer one time. Oh, everything's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're good. And, 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 and allow you to have a mistaken belief. I don't care how sincere a belief is in something. It's not right when it comes to, to, to salvation unless it lines up with what Scripture teaches about salvation. I want us to be faithful Big difference between, you know, this, this grace and us spurning grace. Are we together? Are we well on the same page? Okay, here, here, so, so I, I don't want you to hear what I'm saying. Oh, this is a license. I can do whatever I want because Christ doesn't hold off on his bride. A person who steps out on his, his bride, come on, seriously, is that, is that really a marriage? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. 
Okay, I gotta keep, I gotta keep moving, man. Uh, second point, because uh, really what, what the, this, this fact that Christ never holds on his bride, it actually sets up my second point that I wanna make. It's Christ himself then who makes possible our Christ-likeness. It's not your efforts. It's not, it's not the hard work that you put into this. It's not discipline or, or, or any, anything like this. It's, it's, it's Christ himself. There are three words that I, that I, I see either mentioned specifically or implied here in the four verses that we read that anchor this. And they all happen to begin with the letter P. Didn't plan it, but I love it that it's that way. First one is power. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What this means, very simple, Christ's divine power is the source of our sufficiency. You know, I, I, I like, uh, I think it's D Dallas Willard that says, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. And we're gonna see as we go through here, man, we're called to take next steps, but it's not our next steps that make this happen. It's Christ's divine power. Jesus has divine power attributed to him. You read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll see in, uh, what is it, uh, Mark 5, uh, Mark, Mark 5, Luke 5, they both talk about Jesus having the power to heal. Luke 4 talks about how after he, after he was tempted and he began his earthly ministry, he, he was filled himself, this is Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. He he operated out of the power of the spirit. Matthew 24, 30 says that when Jesus returns, Jesus himself says he's coming. The son of man is going to return in all power and glory. He has power. And this power is, is the resurrection power. This is, we're talking about, this is divine power. It raised Jesus from the dead. It, it is given to us thanks to the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit that is working in us and it allows us to do what we can't even think. What we can't even speak of naturally, it's his power and these benefits, what Peter's saying, they're available to us. Well, who's the us? Well, he specifies this, look at verse one. Here's the us, here's who he's talking to. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those who have obtained this faith, it's not a faith that just showed up or because you had good parents or you went to church. No, it's a faith that is obtained. It's not made possible by imitation. It's a faith that's made possible by this big term we call regeneration, conversion, in which we are transformed. Jesus talks about this in John chapter three. We're made into a new person. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, but it happens by grace through faith. And this faith, yes, faith, there is an action that we, we have this faith, faith is the act of men, but we can't deny that it is also the work of God. Romans 10.10 10 says that we're to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, but guys, what I love is that even that faith, it is initiated and given to us by Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 12 says that Jesus is the author, and one day he's going to be the finisher of our faith. Man, I, I just want us to imagine, we're going to Antique Roadshow. Do you, look at what I have. What, what do you think this is worth? You're like, are you kidding me? Here's what you have. You've got power. It's not your own power. It's given to you through Christ. And what I love about this church is that when we begin to walk with Jesus... God begins this, this work of transformation, of changing us. It's called sanctification. He, he begins to, to do this, this thing of, of transforming us. I love this. And this happens because of the power. Christ, divine power has made all of these things possible. Anybody of you remember Snowmageddon? 
2017, boy, that was a year. Like if you weren't living here in Idaho in 2017 and the only time that you came to visit Idaho was in the January of 2017, you would not have moved to Idaho. I'm just telling you right now. I was back in Indiana on vacation. I got a phone call from Brian Taylor, who at that time was our executive pastor. And he said, uh, Keith, he said, part of the roof in the coffee shop is caved in. There's water everywhere. We've got all kinds of issues. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I came back and I thought that everything would be cleared up. I came back and it kept snowing and it kept snowing and it kept snowing and it kept, I was so tired of snow. We had, we had just recently bought half a beef, uh, half a cow. And, and so, man, I, I had it out there in my deep freezer. And on one of the days, right after we got back, one of the days the power went out. I'm like, dude, we are either going to fire up that grill. We are not letting that ribeye go to waste. I'm just telling you right now. Somebody's eating good. We have a church potluck. Bring your snowmobile. But <laughs> I don't know where I came from. But anyway, that's good. So, so no, here's, I'm like, I don't want to lose this. And so I, next morning I got up early. I went to Home Depot and, and I said, you guys, you guys have any generators? No, nah, we're sold out. Went over to Lowe's. You have any generators? No, nah, we're sold out. I went over to Harbor Freight. You have any generators? We're sold out. And a guy heard me ask at Harbor Freight. And he said, hey, actually, somebody just, he said, we had had a generator. There was a little issue with it. It was rebuilt. He said, we've tested it. Everything works fine. I'll sell it to you for 60% of retail. And I'm like, done, sold. He went in the back, got it. I brought it home. I've never used it one time. <laughs> but here's the thing. I have it. And the reason I have it is because I won't be without power. Here's what you need to know, Christian. If you belong to Jesus, here's the good news. There is never a day you're without power. Christ's divine power every single day is providing you with all things you need for life and godliness. That, that, that power is good. The second word is provision. I like that word. He, he's given us everything that we need for life. Life is the essential reality. Everything. I, I love what Jesus said. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you what? Life. Life more abundantly more abundantly. You, you, you think you know life? Here's the life. I've, I've given you everything you need for life. But not only that, I've given you everything you need for godliness. You see, back in, 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 in 1 Peter 1, first letter that he wrote, he goes all the way back to Leviticus to, to remind even New Testament believers that just as the, the Old Testament Israelites were called to be holy as God is holy, he said, you're called to be holy as God is holy. And you're like, do that? Whoa, 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 whoa that's impossible. But this is why he's saying, God has given us all things we need for life and godliness. And it's in Christ. Now, now, you gotta understand, when it comes to holiness, there, there are two aspects to holiness. There's what I call, first of all, positional holiness. And then there's what I call, secondly, practical holiness. Positional holiness is actually pretty amazing. If you, this morning, you, you have... Man, for the very first time, you believed in Christ for salvation, and, and man, you are saved. Guess what? You, you just, in that instant, man, it's not just that something has happened to you. You've actually been given a new name, and that name is, is, is something that we actually shy away from. That name is saint. You are a saint. The, 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 the moment you are saved, you become a saint. You are someone who is set apart. You are set apart to Christ. And you're like, well, well, I don't know anything about it. Dude, what are you, I can't, I don't know what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't matter. Positionally, you are a saint. You're not a saint because you're doing, you're acting like a saint. 
hey, let's be honest, man, we're still growing up into sainthood. <laughs> we got a ways to go. No, no, but, but here's the deal. He calls you a saint. He, he, he says that even though you have a past, even though you have shame, even though you have all this that separates, man, there's this beautiful theological term called justification. It's when God as our judge, the judge is the only one that can say, not guilty. And even when you know that you're guilty, you're like, no, no, no hold on, I am guilty. He's like, no, you're, you're not guilty. Positionally, you're holy because in Christ, God says you're holy. But then there's practical holiness, and that's when we grow up into what we're called. That's, that's what Peter's going to be talking about. But what he's saying is that he's made every provision for us to grow into what we've been, what, what, the name we've been called. We've been given by Christ's divine power. We've been granted, and we don't have time to break this so we're down fully, but this word granted shows, shows up two places. It shows up first, we've been granted all these, you know, everything that we need. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a compound uh, uh, word in the perfect tense in the Greek. And if, if, like, if you don't study Greek, you're like, that means nothing to me. So I'm going to tell you what it means. This is, we, we don't always, English can't always figure out to, just because it's different the way we do things. It literally means that in the past, God does something that is continuing to happen. It means that Christ's divine power began. He began to give us all things, but even today is continuing to give us all things. The salvation that we have, it's not just effective on the day we were saved and we talk about a time in the past. The apostle Paul puts it this way. He, he, he says in three different places, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. It's this process, it just never stops. It's been granted and we continue to benefit from this. Good news, you know what you have? This is good. We've been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy, man, we can't do this in and of ourselves. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to, to guide us into to all truth. The Holy Spirit is, has, has been given to us to, to help us grow. The Holy Spirit has, has given us everything that we need. We've been given by, by, by Christ's divine power. This is possible. By his divine provision, we have everything that we need. In fact, that leads us to this, this third word that I, that I love that just sets this up. His divine power has not just granted us these things. It says that by this knowledge of his own, what he's called us to in his own glory and excellence, verse four, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. And then he adds this. Not just that he gave us promises, he gives us the reason why he gave us the promises. So that, anytime you see so that in Bible, like underline that because there's going to be something that's tied to what you, you got to understand. It's, it's tying something together. He gives us this so that through them, you may become partakers of divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. This means that that excuse, like I just, you know, I just can't break this. Listen, I get that there are addictions. I get that there's all kinds of struggles, but what I know is that in Christ, all things are possible and that you can be set free. Thanks to God. That does not mean that we're not going to suffer. doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted. doesn't mean that there's, listen, the struggle is real. I get it. But what I know is this, thanks to his promises, by them, we may become partakers of his divine nature and escape the corruption that marks this world. I wonder how well we know his promises. I wonder if we just did a, a quick, and this is not a judgmental thing, what I'm going to say here, because I, I, 
I'm, I'm just thinking this out loud because I, I think we all, this is just a wake-up call for all of us. I wonder if we did a pop quiz. I want you to name 10, just, just at least 10 promises that Christ has given us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many, if we could come up with 10. The reason why I think it's a good question is we can't claim what we don't know. And if it's by his promises that we escape some of these things, if we don't know what he's promised, we don't know what to claim. And there are many of us that are remaining where we are simply from a lack of knowledge. We're malnourished when it comes to the promises of God. No, listen, man, we've been given not just promises. I like, man, Peter goes over the top, precious and very great promises. And, and man, I just, I just started writing down a few promises. Listen, man, I, I, I stopped writing. I mean, he promised eternal life, abundant life, blessings, grace upon grace, help, instruction, wisdom, the Holy Spirit, power, heaven, eternal rewards. I mean, literally, that was just, I, I'm like, this is gonna, I'm just gonna keep, I'm gonna get writer's cramp. I just quit writing. Because there, there's so much here. And here's what I love. Jesus never qualifies his promises to his bride. Never qualifies them. There's, there's not this, quali- this caveat like, well, if you'll do this. No, no. He, he lets us know, man, if we belong to him, there's no qualification. We can sink our teeth into his promises like a German shepherd that's chasing a criminal sinks his teeth into his arm. And uh, that... This is it, man. He's, he's given us everything that we need. Which leads me to my, my last point, and we're gonna, this is going to set up where we're going next week. Um, really what this leads us to is this final takeaway. And you're going you're gonna to see this as we jump in. Staying the same is unnatural for a believer. That, it's unnatural. It is unnatural if, if, you're a, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to stay the same. You will not stay the same. And, and it, the, listen, man, as, as, we, as we jump into this, we're gonna, we're gonna, break, this, we're gonna break this down. But what, what we're gonna see is that a Christian that is not changing, at the very least, does not have the confidence that they're a Christian. Because there's no, there's no marked difference. That's why Jesus said in John 15, he said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The fruitful life is a life, it's, it's, it's a life of inner transformation, the fruit of the Spirit. We went through the whole series last year. But, but I, I just wanna make sure that we understand staying the same is unnatural for the, belie- for, for, for the believer. And here are the implications. Though. I love this, man. This is the good news. Like, he's like, you don't just have baseball cards sitting in a box under your bed. You've got something valuable. Those aren't just pieces of cardboard. This is, if I can use this analogy, it's valuable. Here's, here's what we can know based on what we read. First of all, we can grow. Secondly, we can know that God intends us to grow and that through Christ, we've been given everything we need to grow. Like, like it's, it's not just that it's possible. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's probable well, actually, even more than that, he's, he's given us everything that we need to actually do this. As crazy as it would be, though, for you to have $50,000 worth of baseball cards under your bed and not do anything with them, I think it would be the same thing for you to know what you've been given and to not appropriate what you've been given. 
You might have heard this that came up uh, in, our, in our sermon prep. Uh, I think it was Roe that preached last week, which Roe did a great job last week. But Roe uh, Ro was telling me the story. In, in 1829, a couple guys robbed a U.S. mail carrier. Uh, George Wilson and James Porter robbed a United States mail carrier. And, and so by 1830, they'd been caught and had a trial. And both of them were convicted of six different charges, including endangering the life of, of the driver. Uh, it must have been a wagon or whatever. But uh, anyway, they were both sentenced to execution by hanging. And so it's supposed to take place on July 2nd, 1830. And so the first guy, James Porter, was executed on, on July 2nd, 1830. But the second guy, George Wilson, had some friends who knew people in high places. In fact, they, they actually appealed to the president, President Andrew Jackson. And it's, it's improbable. It's not because he deserved it, but Andrew Jackson fully pardoned all of the charges. He... He, he granted him a pardon. Here's the crazy thing. George Wilson refused the pardon. He said, I don't want it. So, like, lawyers were trying to figure out, okay, when does a pardon become a pardon? In fact, it went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And so the U U.S. Supreme Court determined that the court cannot give the prisoner, I'm quoting here, the, proper, uh, the, the court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of the pardon unless he claims the benefit of it. It is a grant to him. It is his property, and, and he may accept it or not as he pleases. Chief Justice John Marshall wrote this. He said, a pardon is an act of grace proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the laws, but delivery is not completed without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered, and we have no power in a court to force it on him. And George Wilson was executed because he refused to appropriate what was freely given to him. Here's what I wonder, guys, if we freely appropriated what we've been given. First of all, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, man, I hope that even what I've shared is just at least scratching the surface. Man, following Jesus and, and being saved is more than fire insurance. Like, I don't want to go to hell. Well, I don't either. But, but it's bigger than that. It's like, man, it's, it's, you're transformed. You're, you're, you're made new. There's, there's a hope, there's a service. There's so much that we've been given. And, and so I would say this, man, the, the, the free gift that is offered, it can be refused. For a pardon to become a pardon, it has to be appropriate. I, I would also say this, though. For those of us who have been following Jesus for years, there are times that we just don't understand the value of what we have. We live in many ways in similar fashion as we did before we found Jesus, wanting desperately to have power and freedom and deliverance, but not knowing what Christ has offered us and what is ours to claim. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to be in somebody's will to have $50 million and for you to never know about it? Here's what I would say, you can know about it. And so on your way out the door, if you didn't grab a sermon guide on your way in, grab one because there's some next steps, some things I want you to consider. I want you to consider, you know, am I, am I in Christ? Examine yourself in the faith. See if you are of, see if you are of the faith. I, I would ask you to, man, consider this question. Am I growing? And if not, 
why not? And again, understand, is it because I think it has to be about my efforts or, or because I just gave up because I couldn't do this? Do you know what is available? Maybe you'll identify excuses that you're making to justify staying where I am. You don't need excuses. You've got, man, you've got Lord on your side. You've got everything you need for life and godliness. I would just, I just begin to ask, man, what, what don't I know? Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And, but, but the only way to stay in ignorance is if we don't ask. And so what I did, I just put some contact information in the back. Like, if you don't even know where to start, man, ask. Because we have been given everything that we need for life and godliness. It's ours. And I cannot wait to celebrate what, what, what we're going to find over the next few weeks, what this means. The implications are astounding. It's going to be amazing. Do you know the value of what you have. And so, Father, I'm praying that as we leave here, that we would consider and that we would meditate on these questions. Lord, what is it that we have? What is it that you've given us in Christ? Maybe it's just a, we just need to know what those promises are, Lord. May we understand this. God, thank you for what we have been given. Thank you for what it means. Thank you that we don't have to stay the same. That from now until we're finally changed for all eternity, you're going to continue that work of changing us. And we thank you for what's in store. And we pray this with anticipation of what we have yet to see in this new year as we follow Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Remember, tonight, next steps, 5 p.m. For the rest of you guys, we'll see you next week. You're dismissed.